Hello, and welcome back to the Irish Bears show. OTAs are behind us. Mandatory mini camp is behind us. The Bears are off on a little hibernation now, but not here. Here on the Irish Bears show, we're going to keep going. There's going to be no sleeping here, and we'll take you right through to training camp and on beyond. And joined with me tonight, I'm here with my usual co-host, Seth. Seth, how are you keeping? Doing well, doing well. It's beautiful out there today, so it makes it easier to, to have a nice day. Yeah, no, similar here. We're going through a bit of a heat wave, and I'm not complaining about the weather, but at times it can be it can be tough. So it's nice to hide away in the little man cave in the dark and talk into a computer screen for a while. <laughs> and myself and Seth are both delighted to be joined by Aldo from Barroom Network. Aldo, thank you so much for coming on. How are you? I'm fine. Uh, it's always great to be on the Irish Bears show, one of the best uh, shows uh, uh, covering the Bears. You guys, you know, are so dedicated. You're on often. You got great guests. Uh, I know I work with Greg Gabriel. I know he's been a frequent guest guest on your show, and uh, I'm uh, very fortunate to be on with you guys. Excellent. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to pop on with us. Obviously, we love what you do. Some of the guys were on over there with yourself as well, and, and you guys put out a lot of great content. And look, it's great for Bears fans that if there's a few of us here doing this, that, you know, hopefully we cover all bases for them. Um, before we kind of dive into the main kind of crux of what we're going to do, we're going to talk about, obviously, Ryan Poles and the job he's doing building this roster. Just for yourself, Aldo, looking at, pre or looking at preseason and draft and free agency, for yourself, like, how have you kind of found what the Bears have done from the end of last season until now? Has it kind of moved a meter, plus or minus, or are you still kind of in wait and see? You're not kind of pushed out away at the moment well I, I think it's important to uh understand the polls plan and, and which of course started as soon as he joined the team and and that was to disseminate the the, the blow up uh, the roster and get to a, a, a manageable salary cap, get a, get rid of the high salaries and, uh, and, and start new so he can develop his own roster. And so that's an important thing for many fans to, to understand, because I think that, you know, when I, when I travel along the social media highway there, I see a lot of fans still, really doubting what Ryan Poles is trying to do, but I, I get the feeling that they don't have a firm understanding of the approach that he's taken. And it was painful, of course, last season to experience only three victories and all of those disappointing defeats. But it was also, if you step back and take that macro level view of what Poles is doing, it was encouraging to see that he had he built together a team of guys who were fighting to the very, very end, although some people could maybe argue that last game against the Vikings. There wasn't much fight left there. Um, but, um, you know, he, he put together guys and built a culture where everyone started to buy in. So fast forward to your question and what he has done at the end of last season. I think that he has dedicated himself to first and foremost, bringing in players who are going to buy into the culture of what they're building, a methodical approach to building a roster of players who desperately want to be on something special, something that they're all building together, guys who are buying into the plan. And Pose has done a really, in my opinion, a really good job of bringing in players that have manageable contracts and not overpaying for, for uh, players. The one big mistake that Ryan Pace made during his tenure with the Chicago Bears is that he 
did not take a similar approach. He should have blown up, hit the roster, and built the team that he really wanted to do as opposed to uh, carrying over Jay Cutler. I know it would have been expensive to, to remove himself from Jay Cutler, but that really was what should have been done in, uh, in building the team from scratch. It's been a problem with general managers throughout the decades with the Chicago Bears. They've been, they've been given the job and they've tried to win quickly, win now. And that is a very dangerous approach because you're building a roster with uh, with holdovers from a different regime. And how do you get all those puzzle pieces to, to really work together? Uh, and so that's why I'm so encouraged with how Ryan Poe's uh, is is building this team. I, I can go on, but I think Seth and you know need to, to chime in here. No, no, not at all. If you have anything to say, just just let it go. That's what you're you're here for. But uh, no, I agree completely. For me, the way I described it a lot during the season was it was always short term get short term pain for long term gain. And because I could see a plan behind what they were doing, well, personally, I thought I could see a plan. I, other fans maybe agree or disagree. I I thought I could see a plan behind every move that was made. I love the courage, you know, to get rid of players like Mac and Roquan Smith because, you know, other GMs may have not wanted to, to make that kind of big move away from players like that. But for me, it was encouraging. And obviously, you have to give ownership a bit of credit here as well because this was obviously discussed beforehand. They obviously agreed to this and agreed knowing there was possibly going to be a lot of losses coming but again, for that long-term positivity that could come from it if it all clicks together. But the one question I do want to ask you, Aldo, is the number one the number one pick in the draft, planned or a fortunate accident? Oh, <laughs> that's a great question. I think it was fortunate, uh, but planned. And so what I mean by that is, you know, Clearly, when you disseminate, or I keep using that word, but that's not the right word, when you destroy a roster, you are you know you're going to have a top five uh, pick in the draft. And so it was uh, planned from that standpoint. And But it was fortunate that Lovey Smith uh, <laughs> just handed this the first round pick to Chicago Bears. I mean, you know, I I read an article recently of how the Houston fans are are so upset with Lovey Smith that he went out and won that last game, but it was clear why. And I don't care what anybody says, he he knew that he was going to get fired, and he wanted to win for himself first and foremost. And secondly, for the team, but also three, to, to give it to ownership for not allowing him to follow through on what he was trying to build there. So I, I think that, you know, the answer to that question is a little bit of both. But Poles definitely was planning for a high draft pick. There's no doubt about it. And and I, I have no no qualms with that. You know, here in Chicago, we went through, the Chicago Cubs fans went through a three or four year rebuilding plan. That is something that I find intolerable. Um, this rebuilding plan by Ryan Poles, and I know we're talking two different sports that it takes, there are different approaches and different dynamics, but, you know, a one-year rebuilding plan and maybe two-year rebuilding plan is enough for a franchise. Let's get it going. And, and I, I actually think that the Bears are going to be a team in playoff contention this year because I like what they've done with the roster. 
yeah, I think I, I agree with a lot of what you say there. But sure, I think we dive into it now. And as I say, we'll start going maybe through position, position from position, just to kind of look at what we had last year, kind of where the arrow's going. If we if we think the positions are getting better or worse, and we will kind of work. And obviously, look, every team is the same. They have that one position everyone you know looks at first, and obviously that's special teams. And we're going to talk about kickers tonight because Kieran isn't here and he can't do anything about it. <laughs> oh, no, hang, on, I'm, hang, I'm on, hang on, hang on. That was quicker than I thought. That phone is going already. Hang on. No, it's quarterback, obviously. <laughs> we have Justin Fields. So, Seth, I'll go to you first on this. When we look at the, the quarterback room from last year and we kind of compare it now to the quarterback room from this year, obviously quarterback isn't going to be drastically different like other positions because you've, you've got that one main guy. I mean, last year we had Trevor Simeon, Nathan Peterman, Justin Fields. Now you've got Peterman, Justin Fields, PJ Walker, and I suppose you can put in Tyson Badgent there as well. But just from you, how do you assess this quarterback position now, you know, from last year to this year? Is it stronger? Like, what do you kind of see now is the positive negatives that are kind of here with us now? Yeah, so I think the, the underrated part of it all is getting a backup that can continue to run the same scheme. You know, uh, having, you know, Trevor Simeon and everybody else, you know, all the random grocery clerks that we had lining up. I think Tim Boyle was in there at one point, too. Um, having those guys in there, they can't run the same offense. And bringing in P.J. Walker, because, you know, the the sad truth of it is running quarterbacks or quarterbacks who have the ability to run tend to get hurt every now and again, or their legs just get tired. And so to be able to have somebody come in there that's not going to completely disrupt everything is is going to be valuable because you know, there's a good chance he could be in there one or two games a season because every quarterback, you know, it, it's it's rare for anyone to just start all 17 games. So that's a huge step forward um, versus, you know, the talent we had behind him previously. The next step is I think, and, and most of us hope, that being in year two of this offense – and upgrading other positions and giving himself, you know, room to run. Hopefully we're in, uh, you know, 2023 is a better fields than 2022 fields. Um, so I think in that regard with those two, if you were to just look at fields and Simeon versus this year's field and, and PJ Walker, I think it is a, a big upgrade, but partially due to the fact that PJ Walker is, is a definite upgrade and scheme fit uh, over Trevor Simeon. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that's that's another massive thing that I'm so happy about that I'm seeing from the Bears now is it feels like there's planning behind the decision in the backup quarterback. Or like I was hoping for someone like Jacoby Brissett, who I think is a really good player who can come in and win a game. But PJ Walker is another player that is, again, similar to Fields. Look, if you're going to lose Fields, maybe it's for a game or two and you're in contention. I think it's really important that you don't have to start changing that offense to fit with a guy who maybe can't move in the pocket. I, I never saw the logic to that. To, to get a quarterback, you'll never get Justin Fields, but if you can get a quarterback that can just move similar to him and can play the same, you know, could play the same way, it just gives you a better rhythm in your offense because everybody doesn't have to change drastically. They can still more or less do what they would always do, maybe to a slightly limited degree, but still it's the same concept. But although, but what about yourself? I mean, is it important as well? Just obviously Seth mentioned, the extra parts being put around there now. We have a Darnell Wright. We have Nate Davis coming in at guard. You know, hopefully Tevin Jenkins gets settled. We we feel like we have a solid O-line there. And also, Seth mentioned, 
He's going into the same system for a second year in a row. He's got the same coaches, the same offensive coordinator. So there's no learning something new, getting to know a new coordinator, getting to, to know new this and new that. It's basically a continuation of what we had last season. And obviously his second year with more confidence, another NFL season under his belt. So how important is, is kind of all that to the package? It's huge. It, 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 it is incredibly huge. You know, when assessing Justin Fields, you have to account for the fact that he's had now multiple offensive coordinators and that this is the first time in, what, three, four years that he's had the same offensive coordinator and under the same uh, offensive system. And so that's that's huge for the young man. And, you know, there have been multiple reports, some negative and, and many positive of, of how he's looked in these OTAs. But the one thing that is uh, undeniable is that there is now a greater it's easy to see that there is now a greater grasp of the system that Justin Fields has of the system and so that he is now going to be making some faster decisions and you know Adam Hoke reported that he was holding on to the ball too long in some cases you know he was Adam was yelling out you know throw the ball throw the ball but those you know that's on seven on seven and in an NFL game he's not going to hold on to the ball that long. He's going to get going and run and pick up a first down. Uh, so I, I thought Adams, uh, while I uh, respect Adams reporting immensely, that that reporting I think might have been a little bit uh, narrow-minded. Uh, but definitely what uh, what Justin has around him, the coaching staff that he has around him, is all set up for him to take his game to the next level. And we all know that this team can be an average uh, team, have a close to 500 or a little bit above 500 record if Justin Fields plays well. But if he ends up being the type of quarterback that we all want him to be, all of us Chicago Bears fans, then this team could be a serious playoff contender and maybe even surprise people in the playoffs and go deep. And I'd like to just bring out one point that Lee Bruin uh, said in the chat regarding P.J. Walker, that he's got familiarity with DJ uh, DJ Moore uh, mm -hmm. during his time with the Panthers, and that is huge, right, Seth? I mean, it, that's not only huge for DJ's uh, uh, development with the team, but also he's going to share information in the quarterback room with Justin about what DJ likes and so forth, so it's going to reinforce and maybe even bring out some new information for Justin's benefit. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think it's it's just all positive there now. As we say, you know, there's, there's a bit of stability there from now. Uh, just in terms of the backup, we feel like there's a plan at backup in case it's needed. Look, if you, if you have PJ Walker in there for multiple games, either we've won the division early and we're resting fields or we're in big trouble and things have gone wrong. You know, but if he can come in for a game or two, you know, that's important. Um, I think if we look then, um, oh, sorry, Seth, do you want to just uh, follow, follow up on that? Yeah, well, and the, the, the other thing with the, the PJ thing that I, I think is important to note and also just shows the growth of this front office, it's, it was a two-year deal for him for uh, just over $4 million. So they didn't overpay, and now they've got a backup locked up for two years who's under 30. And like so, so they've got you know something in place. It's a smart move. They didn't pay that much because we've paid backups – 10 million plus over the years. And so to get somebody in there for basically 2 million a year for two years, like that's another element of, of how this front office has improved and how, uh, how good of a deal this is. Cause you know um, if he blows up, you know, if, if he comes in and starts a few games and looks really, really good, they've got one more year of control 
uh, to either then trade him or make something happen. So like that's that's a clever move on their part. No, absolutely. It, it, it definitely feels like these guys have a plan and they're sticking to it. And so far, look, it'll all tell on the pitch, but so far it seems to be a good plan for me. It seems to be going the right way. But again, look, we find out in week one how things kind of start to pan out. But if we move then, obviously, from quarterback, we'll go to those guys in front of them. And this is a position group that year on year we feel like we're talking about, you know, it's it's like, you know, musical chairs, people moving here, there and everywhere. And I think going into this preseason, pre-season is the first time I think we feel like we have a five and we have a settled five. Obviously, our number one pick, Darnell Wright, will go out there to right tackle. Obviously, last year that was... Larry Borum, Riley Reef, those guys had a, a tough, tough time out there for most of last season whenever they were in. We brought in Nate Davis, who will then go in at right guard, who will replace Tevin Jenkins, who will move across to the left uh, center. We're going to have Whitehair coming in for Mustafa. Well, I know, I know Lucas Patrick was technically the center, but he got injured, and obviously Sam Mustafa went in. I don't think he had a, a too good a season. Unfortunately, things just didn't seem to go right from there. And obviously then Braxton Jones was a revelation in the late round pick to go at left tackle. So Aldo, just looking at this offensive line now, how do you think, like, do you, are you similar to myself? Do you feel like, you know, I'm actually confident they have something settled? It looks like, again, until you see them on the field, you'll never know, but it looks like they kind of have a stability there and some good players that hopefully can actually protect fields and help out this running game as well and, and kind of, do what we need them to do. Absolutely. When you compare the offensive line uh, that is going to be run out there for 2023, if all these guys stay injured, I mean, stay injury free uh, during preseason, compare it to the 2022 offensive line. This is a, a huge improvement. Uh, starting at that right tackle position, Darnell Wright is a massive man who can move. And, you know, at first, when I was just looking at the metrics, how big he was and so forth, I kind of doubted that he was a fit for the Chicago Bears system because they like those quick moving uh, uh, athletic offensive linemen. But when you look at the tape, this guy can move so well for a man his size. And I forgot which player, uh, I think it was Cole Komet. Cole Komet said that uh, in one of the uh, OTA press conferences that he saw Darnell Wright fall and he tumbled and then landed up on his feet. It's so graceful and athletic uh, for a man that huge. So that is so important for this team. And the fact that this guy is going to be a staple at the right tackle position, this was an, an incredible draft pick uh, for Ryan Poles. I love it even more. I, I love the fact that he bypassed Jalen Carter because, again, the, uh, the integrity of these players, the, the, can they buy into their culture? Can they fit that hits principle? Are they really hungry for this type of, uh, uh, to play in this type of organization? And Braxton Jones is, is a double thumbs up. And we can't say that with any certainty with Jalen Carter. Uh, and, and so why take that risk? And so I love the right tackle position now at right guard. Nate Davis is one of the better running back running uh, guards. Uh, uh, and so that's going to help improve the run game at center. There is going to be a battle there between Cody Whitehair and Lucas Patrick. I think we all expect that Cody is going to, to uh, win that. And while we all remember the bad snaps, he had probably a half dozen or so bad snaps from the shotgun position when he played the center position in earlier years. I'm not too worried about that. He is 
definitely a, an improvement over what we had with Sam Mustafer. And, I, you know, I love the Sam Mustafer story. Came on from Notre Dame as a free agent, uh, was probably just slated to be a practice squad player, and he was thrown in because of massive injuries that occurred to the offensive line, and he held his own, and the, his teammates appreciated, you know, his smarts and how hard he was playing. But the reality is the tape tells us that he just didn't have the strength to play that position, and he was so inconsistent. And so you, you're talking about probably a D-plus uh, center in Sam Mustafer, and now at least you've got a B-minus or maybe even a B-plus center in Cody White here. And then the Tevin Jenkins story at left guard, that is fascinating to me. That press conference that he held a, a week ago, I urge every Chicago Bears fan to go over to the Bears YouTube site and take a look at that interview because he is clearly now invested into being a left guard, whereas a year ago he still saw, thought that he was a tackle in this league. Now, as he said, you know, I'm totally convinced because that's my job title. And so he's bought into the fact that he's a guard. He said that during this 40-day break, he was going to be working on his pass uh, rush uh, setup because he wants to improve his pass blocking. We know he's a phenomenal run blocking guard, and, but now he wants to improve his pass blocking and he's going to do it during his own free time. Applause, applause for Tevin Jenkins. This guy is maturing not only as a player, but also as a man. And that is so great to see. And then uh, uh, as you mentioned, this guy, Braxton Jones at left tackle, what a re revelation. Yes, he was susceptible to giving up sacks and pressure with bull rushes, but he is a self, another self-aware player. He, he, he knows what he needs to improve, and he's dedicated to improving that. I think that we're going to see a guy who on pro football focus measurements or really anyone who studies the game carefully, he was a mid-level left tackle. Uh, and now we could see him potentially become a top 10 left tackle, if not in 2023, then definitely by 2024. He's going to improve this season. We'll see how much. So I'm really excited about this offensive line. Absolutely. I'm sorry, just while you're there, Aldo, and we have a couple of questions in here in terms of uh, depth on the offensive line. Just for yourself, how do you kind of see things going beyond the, you know, the first five or six guys, as, as Steve and Lee here kind of are alluding to? Yeah, I, I, I'm concerned about the depth, too. There's no doubt about it. And so what we have to uh, pray for is that some of the young players that they've acquired uh, during the polls tenure are going to improve. In fact, that's really the story with every single player on this Chicago Bears roster. And I really do believe that the... Uh, the the plan that polls has put in place which is to hire great teachers as these position coaches i really do think and expect that every player is going to improve their performance in 2023 primarily because of the good coaching plus that they are so dedicated to their crafts so i think that some of these backup offensive linemen are going to are going to show uh show up and really compete for these backup jobs and so i'm a little bit uh hopeful that it's not the depth isn't going to be as big as a problem that it, it appears to be right now. And as for George Fant, absolutely, I, I would be interested in acquiring anybody at any position that can improve the depth. Or even uh, I know when we get to the defensive line, we'll be uh, we'll be talking about you know uh, pass rush help. But uh, absolutely, I think George Fant is a good player and could potentially help this this squad. 
Excellent. And Seth, just yourself, kind of, what, what are your thoughts on the O-line? Anyone we kind of missed, or, or how do you kind of see it developing over the next year compared to how last year went? <clears throat> yeah, no, I, I agree with basically everything that was said. You know, this, this offensive line, I mean, realistically, there's two new starters. Um, but in terms of people who are actively there. Um, but I, I think the improvement from Mustafer to white hair is going to be noticeable. I mean, the bat snap thing, I felt like got overblown because if, unless I'm mistaken, he made a pro bowl as a, as a center, you know? So it's, you don't, you don't make the pro bowl as a center. If you're awful, like that's just not a thing that happens because, you know, offensive line, you know, generally for, for pro bowl purposes, you know, they, they don't, it's not just fan driven. It's not like, there's a, a you know a crazy amount of, of fan votes specifically for offensive linemen. It's usually a skill position, um, but if you just like look from where we were in not even just uh, the off season of last year, but week eighteen with um, it was Braxton Jones. Um, you had Riley Reef at right tackle, Borum at guard uh, because J- Jenkins was hurt. Uh, and then, and then you had Mustafer and Whitehair, and now you're you're going from from that setup to having Braxton Jones, Tevin Jenkins, Cody Whitehair, uh, Nate, you know, and then and then uh, the um, the rookie out there with Wright. That's a pretty big improvement, even if you're looking at it as like, oh, we're really hoping Darnell Wright's the real deal. Even beyond that, if he's like what Braxton was and solid and serviceable year one. The rest of what you have there is a massive improvement because that interior, especially once Jenkins was out, was was brutal. And you know when you're getting pressure up the middle, that devastates you know what your quarterback can do because then you almost have to run because you have to push out of the pocket versus being able to step up into it, and and that's going to be a, a a massive you know improvement. So I, I think just like looking at where we were week eighteen to now. It's it's almost like a brand new offensive line, and if if a few tiny things happen, not even big things, you don't have to have Braxton Jones hitting you know top five or anything status. If he just plays a little bit better, and and Wright comes in and plays serviceable, that offensive line is going to be night and day better. And if I can add, I love Seth's evaluation of the offensive line. I've been a firm believer that uh, over the last several years that you really need to build your offensive line from the inside out. Yes, the the tackles are a a, a valuable, incredibly important position. You need athletic players out there. But because of the way the passing game has evolved with quick releases and so forth, you need the middle of the offensive line to really be sturdy at protecting the quarterback. And all quarterbacks will tell you that they – love to step up in the pocket. And so if you don't have an interior offensive line that can do that for uh, their quarterback, then it, 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 it's a huge detriment to what a quarterback could potentially do. And with the athletic skills that Justin Fields has, if there is that outside pass rush that is going to uh, uh, molest him when he's in the pocket, he's got those athletic skills to make a move and pick up yardage with his feet or buy some more time and, and look for a player downfield. So the strength of this offensive line right now is the middle of the offensive line, and that's a good thing for a young quarterback. 
Absolutely. No, I can't disagree with anything you guys have said. For me, <clears throat> it just feels solid now. And as Seth says, if you can just get good offensive line play, it doesn't have to be amazing. If you can just get solid, good play. And as you mentioned, Aldo, we have a quarterback who can do stuff with his legs that almost any other quarterback cannot do. If you mix those two together, you know, the sky should be the limit for these guys. It, it really should. As I say, look, it's not played on paper. We'll see on the field. But you know, I'm, I'm really positive. And with someone like Ryan Poles, who has that background in offensive line, that's one of the positions I trusted him to come in and really know with Ian Cunningham what they were doing. So, look, again, all looks good so far, and hopefully that's something that, that will translate. Um, another position group now that is is fascinating to see is the wide receivers. I mean, man, what, what changes that we've had there? I mean, how can you start with anything other than DJ Moore? I mean, what what a player for them to bring in. What a what a player to be able to get in that deal. You know, if all accounts are true, they they were offered a first round pick and they said, no, no, we'll have maybe a couple of players. And DJ Moore was one of them. And how a player can change a position group is just demonstrated here. Um, and by all accounts, through you know mini camp, he was he was connecting really really well. There seems to be a good connection already with Fields and Moore. But Seth, just looking at what we had there last year, obviously Darnell Mooney was the main guy. Claypool obviously didn't come in till later, so we kind of won't look at him as a last year player because he never really got going. But, you know, we had Valus Jones, we had Equinemius St. Brown, Dante Pettis, uh, Mooney and Nikhil Harry. Compared to now, we have DJ Moore. Okay, we've Pettis and Brown still there. Valus Jones is still there, but we bring in Scott. We bring in then Claypool is going to hopefully... You know, we know the stories at the moment. Who knows what's actually happening and what's true. But he has the potential to be that big body, strong guy who can, you know, doesn't need to be a number one. He can now be a number three in this group we have here, which just shows the difference. But for you, Seth, I mean, when you look at this wide receiver group, I mean, how different is it from last year? And how positive can you be with these these new additions? Well, I think it's it's massively different in the sense that until the Claypool trade, we saw how affected Mooney was being the only legitimate like wide receiver out there. Did he have you know the ability to maybe have some wide receiver one upside? Yes, we saw it in his route running. We saw all those things. But when your two, three, and four are you know five, six, and seven on any other roster, even though a lot of us had high hopes for Pringle, even though he was you know, in and out with injuries and everybody like there were, there were some high hopes, you know, probably misplaced hopes. You know, you, we saw the effect that had where you kind of knew where uh, fields was going to go. Adding in DJ Moore instantly opens up both sides of the field and, and takes pressure off. Um, the other thing it does having your top three now be DJ uh, Mooney and Claypool versus, you know, Mooney, Claypool, and an assortment of other people, when somebody gets injured, it's not going to be likely the end of the season. When Mooney got hurt, it got like, you know, scary hours for those wide receivers. If Mooney takes some time to recover, it's not ready week one. It's not, ah, well, we can just write off these first few weeks until he gets healthy. They have DJ Moore ready to come in there, and, you know, actually have a quarterback who can throw him the ball. I'm sure that'll work out well. It's worked out well for him with, you know, a variety of other people in there. But, like, just adding DJ Moore instantly 
upgrades everyone else in the group. And then when you go and add in, you know, a guy who a lot of people had as like a sneaky top 50 prospect in Tyler Scott, who everyone's like, Oh, you know, he can run that deep ball, deep route and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, but he's also good with it in his hands and has upside beyond that. You know, it's not just a a one trick pony with him. And I don't think it will be. I think he's now in with, you know, a DJ Moore and a Mooney who can help him refine his route running. And if he gets some, you know, his route running developed, he could be a sneaky number three and, and make anyone else outside of DJ Moore expendable. And, and adding those two people, this, this goes from a, you know, bottom in the NFC North, you know, kind of wide receiver group to, you know, outside outside of having the number one wide receiver in the division, probably the best wide receiver group in the NFC North, you know, obviously Justin Jefferson's in a class of his own, but if you look, you know, one to four, you know, each team, we went from having one of the worst wide receiver groups to probably the number one in the NFC North. And that's massive. Absolutely. No, it's, it's, it's certainly a, a big jump up. And Aldo, for yourself, how do you kind of see this this whole new wide receiver room play out compared to what last year's was? Yeah, I'm I'm super excited about the team, and I'm also excited about the depth on this uh, at this position. And I, I think Seth has really provided us with a great analysis of of all the players. And I will add that uh, keep an eye on Doris Fountain. Uh, Fountain was uh, picked out of the Kansas City Chiefs practice squad last season when injuries started to hit uh, the Chicago Bears. This was a guy who. And the preseason games for the Chiefs really showed out. He's six foot one, I think about 210 pounds. I forgot uh, what his 40 speed is, but if I remember, he was close to a 4'5 type of runner. So he's got really good speed big body guy and he's the type of guy where if you know if Mooney does uh, is slow to return from injury or there's other significant injuries during the season if this guy makes the team and uh, he could, he could provide help in a pinch he's also a good uh, run blocker so Doris Fountain is a, is a name that we should not uh, 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 forget. And I just also, if I can digress for a second and tell Donald and Heidi and Lee and Triple R and all the nice people in the chat who are shouting me out. Uh, and, and I really appreciate the kind words. Excellent. And um, actually just another quick question, Aldo, on the wide receiver before we kind of move on from there. We won't go into the whole Claypool thing. That's probably shown itself the way it's kind of mm-hmm. spoiled over the last few days. But there is the interesting question of Mooney and Claypool and contracts at the end of the season. So what way do you think something like this plays out? Do you think there's a chance both of them get one? Do you think they're competing with each other for one? And people like Tyler Scott are going to come in maybe and, and replace one? Like, how do you kind of see... Again, early days, but yourself, like, how do you kind of see this play out for that them kind of contracts that are up for grabs there now? Yeah, I suspect that neither one of those guys is going to be his contract is going to be extended uh, until potentially after the season is over. So Ryan Pose, based on what I've seen in his uh, mo, he wants those guys to fight it out, and then uh, whoever proves during the season that deserves a contract extension, then he'll try to work out a deal. But uh, Ryan Poles doesn't want to have a team with a what, $20, $22 million wide receiver and then 
a couple of $15 million wide receivers or 10 to $15 million. I don't think that's what he wants, particularly with the draft capital that he has. And so, you know, when you're looking at a draft where you could could have a Marvin Harrison Jr. or or some other really uh, 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 prolific type wide receivers available in the draft, I wouldn't at all be surprised if neither one of them is signed, even if they both have good seasons. So uh, this is this is the polls method, uh, and so uh, I, I wouldn't. I think all of us Chicago Bears fans shouldn't get too hung up about contract extensions for any of those two guys. I, I think the next position group that we're going to talk about, the, the Cole Komet, is the one that I would love to see get a contract ex- extension uh, sometime very soon. Frankly. Yeah, no, I think I, I agree with you there. It's going to be fascinating to see how it all plays out. But look, we've seen Claypool is still trying to find his way into this team. So obviously he's not getting one anytime soon until he could actually, you know, potentially show what, what he can do. And Mooney coming off the injury, again, you're not going to give an injured player. Even if they do give him one, it's not going to be early. He's going to have to prove that that injury is, is fully healed and he can, he can turn and he can run. So, you know, it, it'll be fascinating. But as you say, maybe neither of them. Maybe there's a young guy there with with a draft capital, and they just bring in their own guy, and it's it's certainly plausible when you have a DJ Moore there already as that number one main guy. You know he's going to take a lot of the, the 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 pressure anyway, and you can kind of bring younger talented guys in behind him. So again, it, it'll be fascinating to see how it all plays out. Because look, we're talking about this rebuild, but we forget it doesn't end this season. <laughs> you know it, it it'll be going through this season and next season. Although I do find that. They have probably less holes than I thought they would at this point, which I'm really, really happy to see. But still, there are some things to be done, and it, it will be fascinating. But as you've kind of mentioned, although we're going to pop here now into the tight ends, and Cole Kmet, as you mentioned, is a is a guy who we're going to be talking contracts with soon. And I think we did a show there last week where we talked who out of the big four might be next up for a contract. For me, I said Komet, I think he had a good season last year. He showed an upswing with his number of touchdowns, slightly down in his number of receiving yards, but you know, way, way up on the touchdowns. And I think that only gets better when you have a DJ Moore taking a bit of pressure off him, when you have an O-line giving Fields more protection. I mean, Fields is, is more you know, uh, confident in the NFL and has that extra experience. But the Bears made a, an interesting move bringing in Tanyan from Green Bay, who himself has been fairly effective up in Green Bay. So, Seth, how do you kind of see these um, tight end positions now? And obviously, I've missed a couple of guys. I'm, I'm just mentioning the, the bullet point guys. But as Aldo mentioned with the wide receiver, if there's a guy or two I haven't mentioned, obviously, you think we'll step up, throw him in there. But just looking at kind of Tunyon and Kamea as the, the top two at the moment, how do you think this group compares to last year? And what can this group do? I, I think it's a much better group because uh, as much as Wesco and some of the other guys, you know, filled little niche needs here and there with run blocking, like they couldn't do much outside of their one task. And you bring in a guy who not only knows the system, but is, an, uh, you know, I wouldn't call him an elite, but an above average run blocker and a viable threat, you know, as a receiver, you can, build up more, you know, two tight end sets. And I don't think they could run those, you know, super well and have a variety of pass plays out of them. Cause you know, if you got a two tight end <laughs> set last year, you could almost bank that, you know, one of those dudes is just in there to block having two guys that can legitimately do something or block allows them to be able to come out in similar formations and run a bigger variety of plays, which is kind of, 
really important to the scheme to be able to have, you know, one look that you can have seven plays from and you never know what's coming. That's it's really important to this, you know, kind of um, you know, Shanahan style of, of scheme. So if they can have that ability to have that two tight end set that can really be used all over, they can move either one of them into the slot if needed. They can, you know, have some fun with it. And I think that's going to be, you know, great. And also, you know, having another sure-handed receiver, you know, uh, the, as a security blanket in the, you know, shorter to middle of the field, you know, never hurts, especially when you have a, you know, a young quarterback. And he's going to help Cole Komet get better because there might be, you know, nuances in this scheme that, you know, he can help him with. There's like little things that they can they can use to improve each other and, you know, the last thing is the like you said you know having that red zone presence having that touchdown capability you know never hurts to to have another one of those yeah i totally agree with with seth uh and his evaluation my my only concern is is that um if one of the top two tight ends goes down with injury then all of a sudden depth becomes a, a somewhat of an issue now there's some intriguing young players chase allen from uh iowa mm-hmm. state is, is an intriguing player who could step up and, and like i said earlier there's to me there's a high expectation that every one of these players on this roster who was with the team last season is should play better in their second season with the Chicago Bears uh so but I still have some concern and remembering of course that we do have the first pick in in the waiver wire uh, for the first two three weeks of the season there might be a tight end that the Bears might be have on their board and and saying if this guy is dropped by this team let's go in and, and and bolster our the depth at this position for us but I love the addition of Tanyan his rapport with Luke Getze that kinship that they have uh he knows the offense i think justin fields is going to look for him early and often it's going to be really intriguing to see who gets the majority of targets from justin fields because the connection that Komet and fields established last season was very very promising to see maybe Komet gets to 75 receptions this season but we'll see if maybe tanyan's presence is going to cut into that either way i think both of these guys are going to score touchdowns 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 and maybe between the two of them, we could see as many as 12, 13, 14, 15 touchdowns between the two of them. That would be sweet. No, wouldn't, wouldn't that be a nice, a nice little bonus to come from the tight end position? And before we actually move on to the next position group, I just want to have a quick word about our sponsor. Obviously, people may know now that uh, the Irish Bears, we're very lucky now to have Manscaped come in as a sponsor to work Um so, you know, we just wanted to have a quick word about them. Obviously, Manscaped are the top, top grooming company out there for men. Uh, they have the new performance package 4.0, which is available now at the moment. And I know myself, Seth, and the guys, the hosts here for the Irish Bear Show, we're very lucky that Manscaped did send us as part of this sponsorship a performance package 4.0 just so we could test it out and, and kind of try that gear and, and be able to come on here and, and tell you guys what we think of it. Uh, and judging by our, our chats on the group, you know, I think everybody, I think Seth would agree, seems to be very, very happy with what we've got. But as part of the performance package 4.0, uh, you'll get the lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the weed whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the crop preserver ball deodorant, the crop reviver toner, the performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag for all these guys going together. First off, the lawnmower 4.0 
this trimmer is the future of grooming. And I think Tony posted this question, or posted this question last week, and I'll follow it up with him. You know, this is the future of grooming, and I, I dare say the greatest ball trimmer ever. And you know, if anybody out there has one, let us know. I, I, I think it is up there. Um, and you know, if you haven't got one, maybe jump onto manscaped.com. Uh, this is their fourth generation trimmer. It features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and has a 4000K LED spotlight should you need a more precise shave, which let's be honest, is, is not a bad thing. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor, which also is not a bad thing and would get me in trouble less. So, you know, we like that. Uh, and if you thought that was good, but want to take your grooming game even further to the next level, the Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Hair Trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes, which, you know, that'll water your eyes if you do that wrong. So, you know, that is definitely a positive. Uh, their Crop Reserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say, guys, your balls will thank you for this. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to the Performance Package 4.0. The Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself, so go to manscaped.com and get 20% plus free shipping with the code IRISHBEARS. So that's manscaped.com to get 20% off and free shipping with the code IRISHBEARS. And now we shall move on to the next group. By the way, I am uh, a Manscaped customer, and I can uh, tell you that their products are fantastic, and I could actually prove it to you, but I promised my wife that I would stop showing my private parts uh, in public. So but take it from me. Good stuff. We, we, we and, thought Adam was going to give us a live display last week on the show. but uh, <laughs> no. And I will say I, uh, I'm a big fan of it, too. I was actually using it even before. Uh, they were uh, a sponsor of the podcast. I'm a, a big fan. I, I always uh, have the the joke from step uh, the, the other guys. Uh, I may be hairy up here, but I tend to try to not be hairy elsewhere. And <laughs> it is a lifesaver, and especially with that little light, uh, you know, especially if you're a bigger yes. guy, sometimes it's hard to see exactly where you need to go, and it provides you everything you need. I could not uh, be happier with it. No, absolutely. I'm, I'm loving the weed whacker. I did have a, a different manufacturer one prior to that coming and look it's it's night and day quality wise so absolutely thanks to manscape for for sponsoring the show and for giving us the opportunity to to use that gear and test it out it's really appreciated and now we move on to the last position group on the offensive line and this is the running backs where here there's been some big changes as well obviously montgomery was a guy that was well loved by the bears who you know he's he's made that move now across to the uh, nfc north rivals um who else have we got there? We have Tristan Ebner was there last year. Khalil Herbert was there last year. And we had Darrington Evans, who are now replaced by Deontay Foreman, comes in pretty much for Montgomery. You would say Travis Homer will come in for Darrington Evans. And then we have the the exciting pick of Roshan Johnson, which seems to be getting a lot of people really kind of hyped up. So, Aldo, just for yourself, how do you look at this running back room now? As much as I love David Montgomery and the effort that he put into uh, into his play with the Chicago Bears, th this version of the Chicago Bears running back room is much 
better than it was when Montgomery was here. And I'm not saying that as a homer. I'm saying that simply based on the reality of what I have seen on tape with Roshan Johnson, of what I've seen with Travis Homer, uh, the pass-catching, excellent pass-blocking running back that was acquired via free agency from the Seattle Seahawks, uh, based on Deontay Foreman and the incredible season, nearly 1,000 yards rushing when he came in and filled in uh, as an injury replacement uh, last season, the hard-hitting running style. Uh, and so uh, – those three players, who am I missing? Khalil Herbert returning. Khalil Herbert, you know, is is perfectly suited for this cutback outside running zone offense. So uh, this is a team with depth. Uh, this is a team with versatility. This is a, a team that no one, un, with the exception of Herbert, really, uh, everyone is an adept pass blocker. Roshan Johnson proved that in college that he's an excellent pass blocker. Herbert has to improve his pass blocking because if he doesn't, it could impact how many plays he's out there for. It really could. Uh, but this, and that's good that he's 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 in a room with a lot of great pass blockers, and so that's going to make him better, I'm sure. And so I'm really excited about this running back uh, room and the onus that they can take off of Justin Fields' uh, uh, legs in a game and rely on them for the bulk of of yards gained via the ground as opposed to, you know, having it like last season where Justin was the only 1,000-yard rusher. And Seth, sorry, just looking at the running backs, do you think, you know, obviously for the depth chart, there will officially be a number one, but do you think there will actually be a number one or will this be a running back by committee? As we say, each of the guys have that little bit of extra their own kind of talent that, you know, one can block, one has the speed, and one can do a bit of both. And do you think they'll kind of mix and match rather than, having an actual number one wide or running back? Well, a part of that is completely up to what these guys show. If Deontay Foreman comes out there and just starts running roughshod and proves that he can be an effective pass catcher, and let's be honest, it's not as though he's a, he has bad hands or bad route running. He just has never really been utilized in that way. And, you know, because sometimes we see people in college or whatever who have great hands and great route running and they just, you know, aren't effective at the next level. Um, and that's just not necessarily been the case with him because we just haven't seen it. They haven't needed him to do that. He's been the, you know, short yardage, drive it home type of player. And he's, ex he's excelled at that. If he comes in and, and starts crushing it, you know, maybe he becomes the bell cow with some other moves being made. And same could be said for, you know, Roshan Johnson. Like what if he comes in and is everything and more of what you want and the other guys are just complimentary. That's a huge part of it. Um, but I think it's nice to have multiple running backs who can run and pass block um, because before David Montgomery was the only one that could really do that. And Travis Homer sneakily was one of the better run blocking running backs or pass blocking running backs over the past few seasons like that, you know, so you can literally throw any of them out there and, and continue on with what you're doing. You don't have to, uh, Herbert's out there. So he's basically just going to be a decoy. If it's the passing game, like you can have guys out there that can do multiple things. Um, I think just looking at, their careers and stats, it's easy to pigeonhole some of these guys, but you know, uh, I, I think Foreman can be an effective pass blocker. Um, big, big, strong dude. He's going to hold up well in that regard. And same with Johnson and Homer. So I, I think 
in the beginning, it will be relatively like ride the hot hand and, and use what you need. But I think they're going to give these guys every opportunity to run away with it like they did with Herbert. They tried to give Herbert the, you know, the ability to run away with it. He obviously, you know, excelled as a change of pace guy to come in and hit some home runs, but, you know, kind of failed to live up to things in the pass blocking and receiving game. Um, but had he excelled in those things, they probably would have given him the keys to the kingdom. And I think they will actively give Foreman and Roshan um, the ability to do that. It's just going to be, you know, a matter of, of who seizes the opportunity. So I, I think it's a yes and no both kind of ways question. But uh, the thing I will say is this running back group is miles better. It might be the second most improved group uh, position group in this because they have three guys who could potentially be starters or big contributors on other teams. And last year, you know, Montgomery was good and did everything we wanted, but there was always the, ah, he's missing this one element. And with Herbert, he's missing this one element. And now you've got Deonta Foreman who had almost a thousand yards last year in a tandem group. He wasn't, you know, even asked to just carry it the whole time. You know, he had Hubbard there uh, taking up a bunch of carries, and he still almost had a 1,000 yards, and that's coming in after Christian McCaffrey. So, like, it's not as though he was just the starter the entire year. Um, so it's just really interesting and fun to see um, how much this uh, position group has improved and for almost less money than the previous year. Yeah, you know, uh, Lee asked the question, uh, could one of the running backs be used as trade bait? The problem with that is that this is a, a league that is rich in running backs. And so the return uh, when you trade a running back is usually a fifth round pit, uh, you know. And so why not keep the running back and ensure that you have depth throughout the season uh, if you can? Now, if you get you know, a promising player in return. Yeah, definitely. I would endorse a trade because I think there is enough depth here uh, to carry you through the season, even if there isn't injuries. But it, so if, if the Atlanta Falcons with uh, Ryan Pace came calling and say, hey, I'd love to have Khalil Herbert back uh, to run behind uh, Bijan Robinson, I, you know, I, I'd entertain a trade talk. But at the same time, I don't think that the return on trades for running backs is that high. So I, 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 I probably would say keep the players and keep the depth and, and, and keep all the players fresh for the 17-game season. No, absolutely. absolutely. Sorry, guys. Did I actually go off the screen there for a second? My uh, you froze for a minute, but yeah, we kept no, it. We kept it funny. rolling. <laughs> good. That's what I like to see. Um, yeah, no. For me, the running backs is you said it. Seth, it's so much improved on last year, and again, it's just going to be exciting because it gives Getsy options in what he wants to do and how he can help Justin Fields out. So that's going to be exciting. Now, this one is definitely one for the topics it's the defensive line now, i haven't gone edge and interior we just kind of do it all together but obviously when you look at this defensive line we've we've lost players like angelo blackson and al-qadeen muhammad uh who else would it? robert quinn you know mike pinnell and we brought in obviously andrew billings javon dexter and zachary pickens Pick zach pickens have been brought in as, as high draft picks who, you know, we'll have to see. They, they look like absolute athletic freaks. Uh, we brought in players like, um, who else we brought in? We brought in Machine Green, uh, Demarcus Walker. So, Seth, looking at this group overall now, the offensive line as a whole, you know, how do you think 
this plays out because look, we looked at this defense last year and it was as much as I knew, as we talked earlier, it was, you know, short term pain for long term gain. It was still hard at times watching teams run over this Bears defense and that offensive line just got no, no push, no pressure. I mean, when your rookie safety is your sack leader, you know, the, the game's up with that one. So what do you think they've done this year and could it get any worse than last year? Well, I don't think it can get worse than last year. Um, I don't have the stats in front of me, but they allowed a staggering amount of rushing yards, but even worse, an even more staggering amount of rushing touchdowns. And I think from an interior perspective, they've improved a crazy amount. Um, you know, Justin Jones was probably their best interior defensive lineman last year, and now he's potentially the third or fourth best. Um, he'll probably get the start with Billings, you know, to start and um, to get things rolling. But Andrew Billings is a sneaky good player and very good against the run and a mountain of a human being. And then you add in two freakishly athletic rookies that because of those two being ahead of them are not going to be forced to carry the load and start, you know, all 17 games. Um, And as for the, the edge rush, if you look at, you know, Ibraflus and his, defenses over the years you know outside of unique Ngakwe they've never been the like oh man they've got the best edge rusher in the league it's always been about creating that interior pressure and it's the same conversation we had with the offensive line if you can create interior pressure and make people see ghosts that's going to turn even the best quarterbacks uh you know into hurrying things and and that's going to be massive um they still have time there's still the hope that Travis Gibson can re- return to that kind of seven sack form that he was a few years ago. And he's going to basically be paying for his future. So hopefully that kicks him into gear. Um, and there's still time to add something, but I think as a whole, this defensive line in terms of its, um, you know, run defense is going to be a ton better. And, and that makes everything better when you can, um, you know, shut down an aspect of the offense. Absolutely. And, and Aldo, looking, I just want to look at a, a player from last year, and Dominique Robinson. Obviously, he was brought in very, very raw last season. He had a really good start. I think he had a, a sack and a half, and they, they came early. And I've kind of noticed a bit of a negativity towards him now. And I'm just kind of wondering, what were people expecting? Last season, when he was brought in, like I, I didn't think he'd play as much as he did. And maybe in a different world, he wouldn't have had to play as much as he did. Mm-hmm. But for me... I mean, look, he's still obviously not going to be the finished article, but do you think a player like that, because obviously we're talking about Dexter and we're talking about Pickens and we heard about Dexter getting a couple of sacks and, and those guys look amazing. Do you think someone like Robinson, you know, and as Gibson, as, as Seth mentioned, are kind of getting forgotten a little bit and, and maybe on such a bad team last year, it was very, very hard for those young guys to really stand out. But with players like Billings and then Dexter and, and Pickens brought in, these guys might actually be able to step it up because as good as a player is, he needs to be a, a super superstar to do it all on his own when everybody else just isn't up to standards. Yeah. The, the players that are going to benefit the most, I think from the addition of these athletic interior uh, defensive linemen, the two that were drafted and uh, the uh, free agent signing of Billings are going to be Travis Gibson and uh, Dominique Robinson. There's no doubt in my mind that their performances were adversely affected by a interior Bears defensive line that was not getting that inside pass rush, and it made it harder. And it was just like 
you could double team Gibson uh, when he was out there on an almost regular basis because there was nobody outside of Justin Jones who you would even consider uh, double teaming. And so those guys are going to benefit greatly. And you're absolutely right regarding Dominic Robinson. Here's a guy who played quarterback, wide receiver at college, moved to defensive line into what his junior season in, in college. So he comes in with with no experience. His he had to learn, you know, so many basics about being a pass rusher and about stopping the run and so forth. So he's he's one of those players. Like I'll say it now for the third time, he's one of those returning players that I expect there to be vast improvement in his play because of the good coaching that uh, is on this team. And and uh, and I and I know a lot of people have been critical of Allen Williams, but I, I believe in Allen Williams. I think he's a very smart guy. He just didn't have as many weapons as he needed to, to, to have that outstanding defense. I think the coordinator and the position coaches are going to make those two players that you mentioned, Gibson and Robinson, really improve this season. And one one thing I'll toss in there before you before you jump in, Noel, is um, a guy to watch as a you know throw in pass rusher is Sewell. I've heard countless times that his pass rush arsenal, if he was bigger, would be like you know almost next level for a defensive end. And he's strong from everything I'm hearing. He's strong and has a really great pass rush arsenal. So if you're able to, you know, create like a NASCAR package or whatever you want to call it, you know, that's a guy who could contribute and find a way to contribute. If Sanborn locks down that Sam linebacker position, you know, throw him in there, you know, next to Billings or something and, and allow him to, you know, just pin his ear back and not worry about the run and pass rush you know, you could generate some extra sacks there. And that's a guy I feel like when we drafted him, people were excited. And then since then have just stopped talking about outside of the Sam linebacker position. And, and um, people also forget just a few years ago, we were talking about him as a potential first round linebacker, you know? So that's a guy who could contribute. I guess he's a linebacker, but could contribute, you know, as a, a fill in defensive end here and there. And, you know, they like to throw in, fun odd things to to keep things moving yeah no absolutely he definitely looks like a steal in the position where they got him and i think ant will be fully on board with you there said because i know after the draft ant was talking up a lot about you know could, could Sewell maybe go defensive end there or, or be used in a bit of a password situation and yeah he's definitely talented he loves coming downhill and and, and hitting so look who knows but actually talking to Sewell, we'll actually jump into his position group which also, is another position group that has had massive, massive changes. And one of those changes was was a big, big call by Ryan Poles and the Bears in terms of Roquan Smith and his contract. And we all remember that. We won't even go into what, what all went into that one. But, I mean, obviously, they, they made that decision that they had a price point. He could hit that price point or he could hit the road. And he hit the road. And now we look at, we have Edmonds and Edwards who come in. We have Jack Sanborn, who was... Just an amazing surprise last year coming in. What a great season. You know, we've lost Morrow. We've lost Adams. Uh, as you mentioned, Seth, we have then Noah Sewell, who was a, a great late-round pick. So, Aldo, looking at the linebacking room now, which, again, like like a lot of them we've said, is much, much changed, but looks to be a lot better. How do you kind of see this develop? Uh 
much, much, much improved over last season. I mean, you added a Pro Bowl caliber uh, linebacker in Tremaine Edmonds, and I truly believe Edmonds can have the type of season or seasons with the Chicago Bears similar to what Brian Erlacher had because he's got the athletic skills, because he's got the range as uh, in pass defense, because and he could even potentially be much better in the run defense that Erlacher was. I look at tape of Tremaine Edmonds and I see how he can he attacks ball carriers uh and and uh he doesn't you know he doesn't uh, allow ball carriers to bowl him over which was Brian Erlacher's biggest uh, fault as a, as a linebacker. Uh, just remember what Jerome Bettis did to him. I, but the other thing is that in, in this cover two offense, he's that perfect linebacker to help you drop back and immediately turn it into a cover three. And with the disguise coverages, uh, teams are going to have a really hard time dealing with Tremaine Edmonds. Is he going to drop back into that cover three? Uh, am I going to be able to see him? Can I get the ball over his head with those long arms that he has? Tremaine Edmonds is a huge, huge acquisition for this team. And I know a lot of people thought, oh, why are we going for a linebacker? We needed a pass rusher. This is smart, smart, smart uh, general managing by Ryan Poles. So I'm super excited about this linebacker group and, and the people on the wings to to. Edmonds are, 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 are fine combination. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, for, for me, again, it was a brave move to, to make the, the move away from Smith. But again, they had a plan. They knew what they wanted. They had a number. You know, maybe they wanted him to stay or maybe they really didn't feel that Roquan Smith, as good a player as he is, and I know you will always fit good players in, but maybe he just wasn't that right kind of guy for what they want to do. But Seth, what do you think yourself about the, the linebackers? Well, I, I mean, I agree 100% with everything about Edmonds. And my favorite thing about him is there were holes in his game, his rookie year. And every single year he has attacked an aspect of his game that wasn't great and has improved pretty drastically every single season. We saw a culmination of that last year. He was an, an above average linebacker in every facet of it. But then his weak part of, of some of those coverage things improved immensely and if he's able to then take even a tiny step forward in this scheme which should open him up to do so like you could be seeing some next level linebacker play um but the craziest thing and i i said this from the moment it happened the contract we gave tj edwards for the quality of player is one of the craziest deals i have ever seen the fact that i initially when i was pitching out signing him i was thinking you know 10 mil a year maybe broaching to 13 mil a year for two to three years and what did it end up being like nine million for a few years or something like something ridiculous i, I don't mm -hmm. have the the number in front of me but i think it you know came out to a little over three million and you basically get edmonds edwards and sanborn for the cost of Roquan Smith. And that's then going from your linebacker group last year of Morrow, Adams, and Sanborn to Edmonds, Edwards, and Sanborn. And that's why, for me, it is my most improved uh, position group because, like, TJ Edwards has all the tools and is incredibly intelligent. He's going to make everybody on this defense better, as is Edmonds. But, you know... Mm. Erlacher 
doesn't necessarily become Erlacher without Briggs. And now you've got a potential one-two punch there. And Sanborn, who's no slouch, but like, you know, for, I think, three years in total for those two to be together at least. So I, I think that was a brilliant contract, one that blew me away. I, that was one of the greatest GM moves I've seen in terms of defensive signings. And you go from probably the worst linebacking group in the entire league to if they play like they did last year, you have one of the best linebacking cores in the league because both TJ and, uh, and Tremaine were two of the best linebackers in the league last year. And now you get both of them in total for 20 million. Yeah. Absolutely. No, it's, it's amazing how quickly, if you know what you're doing and you have a plan, you, you can flip a position group and make it look night and day from what it was. But um, I'm popping in now, Seth. We'll, we'll pop you here with the, the last kind of big position group, which is the defensive backs. Obviously, Jackson's come back from an injury, but he was playing alongside Brisker, who seemed to give Jackson a new lease of life. It was, you know, we've all talked about how Adrian Amos leaving kind of didn't suit Jackson's game and guys they brought in didn't fit him the way Amos did. And Brisker seemed to be that kind of guy who was just willing to go and hit things to leave Jackson to do what he does best. We, we look at the wide receiver group. Obviously, we have Stevenson has come in. There's just Carla Gordon has another year under his belt. Uh, Jalen Johnson, there's going to be contract talk there. But, you know, he maybe will come in and, and, and play for that contract. So, Seth, how do you see the defensive backs? I know we have we, – we, we drafted Smith as well, who some people think could be a really, really good player, you know, going forward. So, how do you kind of see this plan out again as to where it was last year and, and where it's kind of going now? Well, I mean, obviously the, the, the first thing to note is having a better defensive line is going to make the secondary better. Um, they didn't add necessarily like a ton to this secondary that's going to contribute immediately outside of uh, Stevenson, but I think it was the perfect move for where they were at. Because, yes, adding Brisker in allows Eddie Jackson to play more of that you know, center fielder, not be up in the box where he kind of has no business being you give yourself some insurance for uh, for Johnson. Um, if you know you need to go in a different direction next year, you still got an outside guy and your inside guy in um, in Gordon. I think adding uh, Stevenson for the outside also allows Gordon to stay in the slot, learn that position, and grow there. He's also getting another off season in you know in that position and can really begin to think less, uh, which is, I think, one of the most important things for any defensive player. I would say the less you think, the more plays you make because you're just you know, reacting and your intelligence and everything else and it builds to your instincts. And you know, when you're at that level, your instincts tend to be right. Um, you know, we saw that happen with, with Roquan Smith. Very good player, very intelligent, has all the traits, but when he was – trying to think and figure out what was going on. That guy looked like he was playing, you know, couldn't get out of first gear uh, the first part of the this, this season before he ended up picking it up and getting traded. Um, but that's a, a, a massive thing. And there's also some young guys who um, performed well towards the end. Uh, the other Jalen, um, Jalen Jones, I don't think we should write off just yet. I think another year for him, I mean, he was an undrafted free agent and came in and there were a few games played well against pretty good receivers. Give him another season or whatever to, to grow. And, you know, it gives you the flexibility of, do you have to pay, you know, Jalen, uh, Jalen Johnson, if, if you don't have to, and that gives them the flexibility. If, if some of these young guys start contributing, 
you know, it, it, it's, it's really nice to see, but on paper with Stevenson and Johnson on the outside, Gordon in the slot and, you know, Brisker and Jackson as safeties, you got a very talented and very young secondary that can grow for years to come. Cause outside of Eddie, I think all the starters are 25 and under, I, it might be a little wrong on that, but you know, that's a very young, very talented secondary, and they proved some some things at the end of last year. You know, it's it, it was easy to to attack this defense because all you had to do was run the ball. Um, but ha- upgrading the secondary, just adding that one piece, makes everything else fall into place much better. And and I think the secondary is going to surprise a lot of people. Absolutely, Ronaldo. Just uh, your your thoughts now on the the secondary coming up this season. This is the only position group that I do have some uh, some concerns about. And, and let's start at the top with Eddie Jackson and his 29 years old coming off an injury and so forth. So I'm hoping that the progress that he showed before his injury can continue uninterrupted and that he can c- quickly recover from that injury. And, and it seems to me that Brisker is the perfect complement to what he does and that they can continue, continue to be these two superheroes at the safety position. But I am a little bit worried about Eddie Jackson and the fact that he'll, he'll see, he'll become 30 soon and uh, the the mounting wear and tear on his body. Then when you move to the cornerback position, I think Kyler Gordon playing that slot position is going to be, is going to help him and that he can focus on that in this rookie season. He was just given too many things to think about and he had some injuries in the preseason last season that uh, retarded his development and even injuries during the middle of the season. So hopefully just give him that slot position, let him focus on that, keep him injury free and hopefully he can achieve the type of play that I anticipated he was going to have when he came out of college. Then you've got uh, Jalen Johnson. The big problem with Jalen Johnson, he's got one interception in three seasons. Is this the cornerback that we're just going to see for the rest of his NFL career? An average cornerback who's just not going to turn over the ball. He's not, he's, he's not awful, but he's not really good. And so he needs to prove to me and I think to the Bears organization that he can be more than that. average interception uh, that he has proven uh, in his career. One interception in three seasons is just not good. And he started off last season really good. Well, that was because they were picking on the rookies and they weren't throwing to him. And then finally, in the middle of the season, when they started throwing Jalen's way, he he got burned. So I'm a little bit concerned about Jalen Johnson. And so, um, but I have high hopes for Tyreek Stevenson. And so maybe that's going to help improve the team. And, And I know everybody in the chat has been talking about the 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 depth on this team the kid from minnesota is is certainly a guy to keep an eye on you mentioned earlier jalen johnson uh uh, jalen jones excuse me so there's 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 strong possibilities here of guys that can step in and do good work for this bears defensive back position but there are question marks here. And so um, I'm hoping that the questions are answered quickly and that we, you know, uh, and, and, and also they, the team, while the pass rush has improved this season, it hasn't improved at least right now that I can forecast to the point where it's going to be a consistent pass rush that's going to help defensive backs get their hands on ball. So uh, I'm a little bit concerned about the defensive backs. Absolutely. And, and I know, Aldo, you need to jump off now in a second. So I'm going to let you go first on the really big one that I started earlier. 
special teams. Are we better? Are we worse? Are we just staying the same? I think we're better. I mean, I think there's depth at the return game. Um, I think Cairo Santos is going to bounce back, but I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't doubt that they brought in some uh, added competition. I know they signed somebody during the off season, uh, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if they brought in a third kicker. And uh, I, I think that the special teams coach is a good special teams coach, and so he's going to get better performances out of guys. Some guys were selected to this, to this team based solely on their special team performance. And so just the quality of players on the roster in 2023, I think, is is better than it was in 2022. So I'm hopeful that we're going to, have, you know, as Alan will, excuse me, uh, uh, the, uh, the special teams coach mentioned, you know, the four NFC teams had the top four special teams in 2022. So we're already starting off pretty good. And so I, I think it, we could end up maybe being the best special teams with a little luck, with a little luck. Excellent. Sorry, Aldo, I don't know if you are if you need to jump off there now, but just thanks so much for coming on. We absolutely appreciate you coming on. We love your work. You know, I know like the other guys, I, I definitely watch them. We'll have to do this more often, just kind of get this kind of chat going. But if you want to let the guys in the chat know, you know, what you guys have coming up, where they can find you, if anybody, I'm sure everyone knows who you are, but if anyone doesn't, where they can find you and what you guys have coming up in the, in the near future there. Thank you. Just come on over to Barroom Network on uh, either Twitter or our YouTube page. And uh, if you subscribe to our channel, you'll get alerts to all of our live programming. Uh, we've got a show with Greg Gabriel scheduled for tomorrow. Uh, Greg has been bringing in some very special guests. We had uh, Jerry Azuma uh, on last Friday's show. You can find that on demand on our YouTube channel or just uh, subscribe to our audio podcast if you prefer it that way. Uh, again, just search for Barroom Network and our, our material will be uh, will pop up guys you're the absolute best i really enjoy the irish bear show and you guys are so kind with your praise and promotion of what we do uh i owe you guys a lot more than you owe me so uh, i will make sure to uh, let people know that they need to be subscribers to the irish bear show because you guys provide constant uh content and it's quality content so much kudos to you guys appreciate that aldo take care talk All to right. you soon bye-bye and Seth, before we jump into the end there, anything on special teams that kind of jumps to mind for you or anything you want to say? Well, I, I, I want to say that, you know, the depth that we've got at other positions will then help, you know, help our special teams as a whole. Like, I think the tackling will be better. I think the gunners will be better. And that's, you know, important. You know, ha having quality linebacker depth helps your special teams. Having quality um, depth at cornerback helps your special teams and and having those types of things really does improve things um his name escapes me right now but we signed uh an undrafted free agent kicker um who i think smith, i think isn't it yeah andre um, smith would that be him? yep I, I believe so and and he's got you know the leg to hold up in these you know winters uh, until we have a dome or something like that in the future um you know i i, I think the special teams unit will be better because Cairo is going to be pushed. Um, I think we have a pretty solid punter. Um, I'm not, I have no real big qualms with him. Um, you know, he maybe like to see a little more hang time, but that just kind of um, for those that have any interest in it, just comes from repetitions and, you know, just really developing more leg strength and more leg snap. Um, and, and that just kind of comes with, growing stronger and things like that so i i think you will see some improvement there um but yeah i, I think you know we didn't get any worse uh I'll yeah, leave well that. that's 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 always a good sign when you don't get worse at something 
you know, it's not too bad. But do you think this new kick and rule now, this fair catch inside the, the 25 or whatever, you know, how, how much is that going to alter what a lot of these guys do? Say that again, you uh, broke Sorry. up for, for me. Can you hear me there now? Yep. I was just saying this new rule now that's coming in for the uh, the kickoffs. How oh, do you the, think this kind of affects how these guys will be able to do what they do? I. It's so it's such a hard thing because we've seen so many injuries, so many gruesome injuries um, on you know kickoffs and things like that. Um, so it's it's hard for me to say. Well, this is a stupid rule, but it does negate, you know. That some of that game breaking ability because it, it becomes in, in the strategy. Well, like you know, if I'm going to take it here, like you know, I'm just going to fair catch it if I, I see things not lining up right, and you know, it's going to add an extra element for that kick returner to figure out. Um, and, and that could cause you know, some, some issues, maybe some fumbles and things like that. But I do think you're going to see, you know, over the course of the, the preseason is where they're implementing it right, and they're just going to kind of see how it goes. Um, I think it's just you're going to see less really cool plays. And I think, you know, we're lucky to have seen Devin Hester when we did because I don't know how effective he would be um, with some of these new rules. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's why I have that jersey up there behind me because it was just a, an absolute pleasure to watch him week in, week out, you know. I was going to say, you didn't know what he was going to do, but you did know what he was going to do. Everybody knew what he was going to do, and he still went and did it anyway. But yeah, Seth, I think that's it. I think we've pretty much covered uh, every position group there now. I think overall, from yourself, myself, Aldo, it seems to be uh, seems to be kind of positive looking at what we have and what we're going to do. And, you know, hopefully now it actually translates uh, on the actual field. Um, but yeah, no, that's it. Just before we go, actually, just another quick reminder that we are sponsored now by Manscaped. And just a reminder that, you know, you can get 20% off and free shipping on manscaped.com with the code IRISHBEARS. So that's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com with the code IRISHBEARS. So, you know, if you are looking for anything, a present for someone or something for yourselves, please do jump on. Genuinely, the, the equipment that we got, the stuff in the in the performance package is excellent. So it's it's definitely worth looking at. Um. But other than that, Seth, I think I think we're good. I just want to say thanks to everyone in the chat. We really, really appreciate you guys. Week in, week out, you're there with questions and chatting between yourselves. And it's great for us just to try and get to read it. Although being the host today, I was so panicky watching everything else. I didn't get to read it as much, but I'll have a read later on. But please do like and subscribe because obviously for us, it really does help the show. And look, we appreciate you being here. The guys, well, I'm not sure who will be on, but we should be back next week. And until then... All we can say is bear down. Bear down. <laughs>